The Lord be with you. And A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you, and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Where is that in the Bible? Have you ever heard that question before? Oftentimes it comes in response to a, a teaching of the Catholic faith, in which uh, oftentimes talking with uh, a brother or sister uh, who is not Catholic, but of another Protestant denomination, uh, they raise the question of the things of the faith. Where is that in the Bible? The implicit belief or the implicit statement of what they're saying is, that unless it's in the Bible, we shouldn't believe it. And yet, that's not exactly what we understand as Catholics. In fact, nowhere in the Scripture does it say that only in this book are the things that are the teachings of God. Nowhere in the Bible itself does it say this is the only place where we find the teaching of the truth. Rather, we find something that's quite the opposite. In St. Paul's letter to Timothy, he explicitly speaks of the church as the defender and the pillar of truth, not the scriptures, but the church herself, the body of Christ, the living membership of the Lord. And it's thus that we, the body of Christ, rely not exclusively on the scriptures, but with the scriptures as well as sacred tradition, that living tradition passed down to us from Christ Jesus to the apostles to their disciples, and down to our present day. And it's that that we lean upon, and it's in that that we rejoice. If you remember that in the early church, there wasn't exactly a Bible that was passed out to all the Christian communities to say this is the fullness of belief of the things that we are to teach, the things of which we are to believe. Rather, they had the oral tradition of how the disciples would go and they would pass on the things that were taught to them of how the apostles, hearing all the things coming forth from the lips of our Lord, seeing the things that he had done, the ways in which he had prayed, they went forth and began to spread that in the Christian community. Only later did they write it down. So it was mainly by the gift of the spoken word, the living tradition. How many times has it been said by new parents, if only kids came with a manual, things would be a little bit easier, right? 
How many times has that desire been there in the midst of a a screaming baby at night? you're, You're trying to find some way to console the child. In some way, in the midst of, 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 of teenagers, as they're becoming uh, young adults, trying to understand how to, how to handle uh, young people and various things, even in the course of later in life, as children become adults, how do we respond to them as parents? All these questions certainly would be welcome to have a manual that answered every single one of them. And yet we know that that's not always the case. Certainly there are many books about babies. We can know many things of the do's and don'ts of raising children and this kind of thing. But ultimately, quite often, what tends to happen whenever a person is struggling with how to respond to something that's happening with their child or with someone else or with a friend or whatever's going on, rather than simply go to a book, they go to someone with the experience. We go to our own parents and say, what do I do? How would you respond? How did you respond? And more often than not, things that are not always written in books are given to us as advice, and oftentimes they work. Not just a written tradition passed down, but a living one. Something that's given from generation to generation, and is passed on, and it's true. And it's much the same with the things of Christ and the church. How indeed we do have the scriptures They're holy scriptures, the word of God written for us to help us to walk in the path of heaven. But remember too, but we have a living tradition, the family of God. In the gospel of John towards the conclusion, it said, if we wrote down all the things that the Lord Jesus did and said, there would not be enough books in all the world to contain them. There would not be enough books in all the world to contain them. And so there's this recognition that necessarily so, the gift of faith that we live is not confined to books, but rather is a living gift, a gift of faith passed from one person to the next. Much in the same as Jesus, he didn't sit down and pass out papers and say, everybody read this paper and reflect on it afterwards. Rather, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Remember too, the many accounts in which our Lord Jesus, he would speak in parables and he would speak all these various stories, but then he would go back and the disciples, his inner circle, they would ask more questions and he would give more answers. He would clarify things that oftentimes were a little bit unclear. And we don't have every single one of those clarifications in the scripture, but we do have them Passed down from one person to the next, generation to generation to generation. The living gift of our faith. As Catholics, we understand and we believe and we profess that there is nothing that the Catholic Church teaches that is contrary to the Scriptures. Nothing. But there are things that we believe that are not explicitly contained in the Scriptures. We can dig a little and we can see implications therefrom. But it doesn't have to be explicitly stated. Because we know that they've been given to us from Christ. They're part of our family story. On the March for Life the other day, on Friday, I was struck by a particular group of individuals who came out uh, to protest. They didn't come to protest abortion. They didn't come to protest the protesters of abortion. 
They came to protest the Catholic Church because they know that the Catholic Church is one of the most prominent voices in the right to life movement. And indeed, as we looked around, as we uh, were marching ourselves, some 450 or so students uh, and young adults from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, most of the signs around us were so-and-so Catholic Church, such-and-such Catholic College, and so it was a very, a very Catholic experience. As we were praying the rosary, we'd look around and groups that we didn't know would be praying with us. As we were singing the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, so too there were many others around us who were praying along with us. And it was intriguing because in the midst of that, there was this one particular group who came, again, not to protest abortion or anything thereof, but rather to protest the church. And they had, they had microphones to be able to yell at us so that we could hear over, they could yell over our prayers. And they had signs that let us know that the Pope is the Antichrist, that all Catholics are going to hell, and we need to repent and believe in the gospel. I was kind of intrigued by it, and I was, I was trying to listen to the individual, uh, the, the guy who was kind of preaching at us as we walked past. And one of the things he said caught my ear. As we were walking, he said, brothers and sisters, in 1952, the Pope proclaimed that Mary assumed into heaven. He said, in 1952, the Pope said, Mary never died. And we know that St. Paul tells us in the scriptures, the wages of sin is death. And no one is, uh, no one is free from death. The Catholic Church, therefore, is wrong. And all of you who are Catholic, you need to understand that. You need to repent. You need to turn from the church. I was marching at that point next to a brother priest and I looked, o- looked over to him and I smiled and I said, apparently he never read the document that the Pope wrote. Because one, the Pope never said Mary never died. He's just injecting that reading onto it. The Pope was very clear. He never said Mary didn't die. But also, there's this implicit belief that because we stated something and clarified something in 1952, it doesn't mean that it wasn't true. And it doesn't mean that the church didn't believe it for the previous 1920 years. It's a simple reality that never has it been claimed by any Christian church, by any Catholic community, that they have the tomb of the Blessed Mother. Have you ever thought about that? We can go and we can point to all the tombs of the apostles. We can point to the tombs of all the saints. We can say they were here, they were here, they were here. We know where Blessed Mother's house was in Ephesus. We can point to all kinds of things, but not one single soul has ever said in the history of the church, in the history of the world, that they have the tomb of the Blessed Mother and they know where it is. From the first days of the church, We believed and understood that Mary was assumed into heaven, body and soul. It took us 1,900 years to come to a full explanation and to be able to say it definitively. Because it only then came under attack and became of such great importance. It wasn't until, if you remember in the the early church, the letters of St. Paul. The letters of St. Paul, when he was writing, he didn't come to give a catechism lesson. He didn't say, let me lay out the entirety of the Christian belief of our faith for you. Rather, he said, I've noticed in your community you're struggling with this. Let me respond to that. 
None of the letters were meant to be a catechism lesson. They were responding to the needs of a particular church and their struggle. And so too it continues down to our day. A question of the assumption of the Blessed Mother ultimately led to the Pope going, I see that in our current day there's been a question, there's been a struggle. Let me clarify. Here's what we believe, and here's why. Is it in sacred scripture? No. Is it contrary to it? No. Is it something we believe from the beginning? Yes. And we can go down that with so many things that our Catholic Church teaches. Several of them revolve around Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, her perpetual virginity, and these sorts of things. But also look to the things of the Eucharist, the sacraments of the church, the life of faith, the life of prayer. Not included always in the scriptures explicitly, but not contrary to them. But very much a part of our faith. Because we have believed it from the beginning. For 2,000 years, generation upon generation has received the gift of faith. And every generation's duty is to receive it in its fullness and to pass it on to the next generation in its fullness. To fall short is a, a grave error on our part. And so we receive and we pass on. Those family remedies, those tales of things that seem odd, and yet they work. Wonderful gifts of our faith. Oftentimes, whenever we speak of tradition, it's seen as a bad thing. We cling to our human traditions, oftentimes it's said, us Catholics. And because we cling to our human traditions, we're at fault. But there's a difference between human traditions and sacred tradition itself. Human traditions can change, and indeed they should, according to the need and the culture of the day. The fact that there are certain days where we fast or we feast according to the liturgical calendar. The fact that the liturgical calendar itself, the manner in which we celebrate the sacred liturgy. Sometimes we get a new translation of the liturgy, or a new part is added, or something taken away, or something changed. The fact that there are so many other things in the course of the life of the church, indeed those are human traditions. And as they come and as they go according to God's will, God be praised if they've served their purpose and they're done, fine, we move on. But sacred tradition itself is non-negotiable. These are not things that come and go according to times and seasons, but rather are perennial teachings of the church from the start always there in the hearts of our leaders, the hearts of the faithful, something good and true and holy, not to be set aside, but rather to be cherished because they come forth from the lips of Christ our God. And so we rejoice in this gift. We rejoice in the fact that for 2,000 years, we've had a continuous heritage and history, a family story connected to Jesus Christ, not confined to a sacred word, sacred text, but rather part of a true family. One that knows its story and that shares its story. So let's pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit today, brothers and sisters. To pray that the Holy Spirit would help us to receive the gift of our faith. To receive it in its fullness. 
and to go forth from this place each and every weekend to share the gift of faith with others. That so too the next generation might rejoice in this gift that we share and pass it on to their next.